All right. That's my favorite type of Star Trek episode. One where you find out a lot of stuff about somebody that didn't really fit into anything before, and then, uh, you know, weird stuff happens and everyone's in costume. Yeah. No, a Prime Directive episode. Oh, yeah. I love Prime Directive episodes. It, no, we haven't had a Prime Directive episode in a while. No, I, I can't remember when the last one was. Maybe First Contact? Was a barrel trial before or after First Contact? Which one? Uh, you know, the one where she's all like, I've gotten better men than you, Picard, you know. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one with the Admiral Lady who's just like trying to witch hunt everybody. The drumhead? Yes. What would that have to do with the Prime Directive? Well, they talk about how he had all these Prime Directive violations. Oh, well, yeah, I guess. I guess. I feel like of... that's one of the last times they've really dealt with. Kind of after that, he, Picard had to toe the line on the Prime Directive for a while. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I think the Prime Directive is one of those things that I find really intriguing for various reasons. Yeah. Probably more to do with the fact that I find the concept of... Uh, alien species that they're sort of like monitoring uh, more interesting than anything yeah. else because it you know speaks to like the human condition and maybe there are people from an intergalactic federation <laughs> like living on my street and that well would be I mean weird. you know it's the whole you know th- th- that's one of the things that like oh Roswell and all of that type stuff that's you know aliens who have been monitoring I used to work with a guy who was convinced that aliens were actually people from the future he had this whole like mythology around and they're like infertile or something like that and we have to show them for how to be fertility you worked for brian and braga pretty much okay um yeah i liked homeward quite a bit Very i much. think it's a good episode uh i'm assuming you mean that 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 uh, uh nikolai doesn't fit into anything right? i was gonna say did we know that he had a brother well i didn't remember actually and so i looked it up and yes uh they they did mention it way back in the first season really? that he had a brother Okay, because uh, I feel like, you know, there's been moments where it would have, again, given with his, you know, his actual blood brother that, you know, that he has so many issues with that. Right. You know, given that his parents, given that, you know, he has Alexander because he does have Alexander as much as the show. For, you know, like, I, I just figured he would. But, you know, it doesn't completely contradict anything, you know. And I, I think that Alexander is in the carbonite that they put Han Solo in at the end of Empire Strikes Back, actually. And they just thaw him out, you know, if they need him for the episode. Yeah. No, I think, yeah, they did mention that he had a brother way back in, in Heart of Glory. Okay. Um, and they never mentioned it again. So on the one hand, I think it's interesting that the show went all the way back to the first season and said, okay, let's pick up this thread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not really sure what the genesis of this idea was. And... You know, I like it. I like it as an episode. I think that, you know, interestingly enough, I think the weakest parts of the episode are actually the dynamic between Worf and his brother. Because, you know, it's kind of like we've never seen him before. We're probably never going to see him again. And there's a degree of by the numbers to where they have, you know, problems because they're different and they have conflict. But at the end, they realize, you know, and they come to terms and, you know, like... We know this is all going to happen the second we know that Worf and his brother have issues. But yeah, and, and frankly, um, with again his actual brother, and I forget his name right now, um, Kern. Well, yeah, with Kern, I mean, they spent so much time on that, and that was a again. You want to talk about investment? We did get invested, you know, between him and Kern after a while because just because we saw him a few sure, times, yeah, and you know they dealt with frankly much more. Over our, you know, the whole business with the Klingon, again, that was something that took several episodes, took a two-parter to resolve, you know. Here we have a very basic situation. So, yeah, there is a degree to which it is a bit more, you know, a bit more cursory. We've seen more interesting stuff. But at the same time, I think it's interesting that brother issues are one of the things that tends to define war. Yeah, I think that is interesting. And I, I don't know if that was a conscious choice on the part of the writers or not. Um, you know, it's interesting because I think that we have seen one-off family members of other uh, cast members before. I mean, you know, we saw Inheritance a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, or, for example, um, the Icarus Factor all the way back from the second season with Riker's father. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and so... They Troy can, and her mother, you know, and... Well, I'm just thinking about... Character, know, I'm thinking about family members that only appeared once, oh, not yeah, necessarily yeah, yeah. Okay, recurring ones. And so they do make that work. I think Inheritance was a strong episode. We both enjoyed it. Uh, you know, the Icarus Factor, I remember liking enough... You know, it wasn't great, but it was okay. And I think, you know, especially for the second season, it was a good episode. Uh, frankly, Thomas Riker is another it, – it's another incarnation of that. It's slightly different, but also they're dealing with – you know, they Picard's, talk- Picard's brother who, yeah. who we've only ever seen the one time. And so there's a way to make that work. I don't know if – you know, Worf is a weird character because as much as Worf has been portrayed in the show, it's – 
his family issues really do define him to a large degree. But at the same time, I don't know that it's all that interesting. Yeah. At least not with his human family. I mean, his Klingon side and his Klingon family, I think he's had many more uh, problems with. And I also think that that is better drama in a sense. And frankly, because the cultural issues come to a head more more in the Klingon uh, aspect of things. Like, frankly... Worf doesn't really seem to have any angst over his human side. Like, he no, does, he doesn't. He doesn't have any, you know, he, he well, he, he thinks of his mother as maybe a little too motherly at times, you know, whatever. He has no particular issues with there. And whatever his brother issues are with his brother, they're all, um, you know, brother issues. And, you know, it, there there is nothing to do with the fact that, you know, the fact that one is human and one is Klingon does not seem to inform that conflict whatsoever yeah and i think that that that's kind of where the episode falls down a little bit is that the the conflict between between Worf and nikolai is is very sort of ill-defined and it's very generic in a sense i mean it's just kind of like older brother younger brother stuff yeah and i i don't really there's no real strong indication that anybody on the writing staff or even anybody in the episode really sort of understood what exactly was going on here i mean on the one hand yeah but on the other hand i do kind of appreciate the fact that you know, the fact that Worf is so ad- adopted has nothing to do with it. The fact that Worf is another, sp- you know, it says something very specific about Worf's family that even though they have their issues and their conflicts, you know, it's just personality things. It has nothing to do with the fact that, you know, Worf's brother doesn't resent Worf because he's Klingon, because he's different, but because, you know, oh, you were the favorite, you know, and... Again, that says something very specific about him. The fact that he takes a woman from another species, frankly, as his wife and, uh, you know, the mother of his child, you know, that says something, too, about it. Yeah, I think so. And I think that, you know, that's that's a interesting interpretation. But I think that it's a little facile because I don't know that that's necessarily something that's supported by the episode. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And I feel like that it's... I don't know. I just I don't feel like there's that much meat there. Like I don't get a good sense. Of, like I'm trying to think about their conflict even yeah. now, and I just don't. It's just like it's very ill-formed in my mind. It's. I mean, again, I don't think that you know. It, you're right. It isn't the interesting part of the episode. The conflict boils down pretty much to Worf was always the one who. And this does have to do with Worf trying to prove himself because of who he is. He always does want to prove himself and. You know, so he does everything right. He goes to Starfleet, you know, he does well. He's got a good career, he, you know. And the brother, meanwhile, is somebody who ha- seems to have had a little more tough of a time kind of getting things together and figuring out his life path. And- At the same time, though, I mean, he seems respected and he seems like he has a pretty good career. I mean, I don't think that Starfleet or the Federation is going to send uh, someone who's not extremely competent uh, to a pre-industrial civilization to 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 look at you know to, to sort of like uh, 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 examine them. Do you know what I mean? But I think part of the episode's point is that Worf views him as the fuck up brother, you know, who couldn't hack Starfleet and you know was always getting into trouble as a kid and all of that. And but the thing is. He's not that guy anymore. You know, this is. But is that really supported by what we've heard about Worf in the past, though? I mean, because his parents, uh, you know, way back in family, seem to have a different interpretation of that. I mean, I, I seem to remember them talking about Worf as if he was a problem. Yeah, I, you know. And there's a degree to which I think that this is just sort of seventh season syndrome where they're kind of losing the thread of these characters a little bit. I mean, I think there's. There is a degree to which the show kind of wants it to be that. You know, the two of this is a situation where the two of them have had their role, their views of each other that aren't quite correct, aren't really accurate. That are, you know, when the brother's wife is talking to Worf and he's saying, you know, Worf is saying, oh, well, you know, he was always getting, you know, and she says, well, that's not who he is. You know, he's a good man. He's, you know, responsible. He's well respected. You know, he takes care. You know, she's saying all of these things that, you know, Worf is just blind to again because he keeps seeing his fuck up older brother, his fuck up brother, and mm-hmm. yeah, you know there. Well, I don't think the episode sells that quite enough to, to that, which is true again, given what we know of Worf. 
I think there is some of a degree where it's just the two of them are jealous of each other a little bit. I think that, the, yeah, I think that's true, but I think that the episode does shortcut some of that work that it oh, yeah. to do. And I think that, you know, I'm not sure that there would have been a way to do it without having Nikolai appear in a previous episode. That's, yeah, that, that that's really the only way, like, if... You know, even if, I think you know, that, Worf's parents telling him, you were such a troublemaker, and he says, well, what about, you know, Nikolai? You let him get away with all of this, you know? It, you know, if that had been part of it, too, you know? Well, and the, and the, yeah, and I think, but the problem is, like, the episode is so big in other yeah. ways, like, big in scope. I mean, basically, they are, uh, you know, trying to save a very small population of, of indigenous life forms from a planet that is now dead. I mean, that's about as big as oh, we yeah. can get. And at the same time, it's one of those things where... There's these huge sort of like world altering things going on. They're doing very, very uh, uh, not necessarily dangerous, but but very meaningful work. I mean, they have that scene between Crusher and, yeah. and Data where they're talking about you know how they're basically deciding the future yeah. of this entire species. And, you know, and saying and, like you know it, it, it. Well, we'll talk. I guess maybe we can. Well, get yeah, into we'll that talk way. about yeah. that. But I think my point is that like there's all this really big stuff going on. And then we have Worf and Nikolai bickering about, yeah. you know, who borrowed the car or whatever. I mean, I, don't I guess, know. yeah, maybe it, would have been like, a, it just feels weird to me. It might have been a stronger episode, you know, if the two of them had. Yes, you know, they're they've been estranged for years. They have no idea really what the other is doing. Fine. But, you know, if they don't really have a conflict because everything else is so interesting, you know, frankly, the this is one of those episodes where the actual plot is fascinating or frankly just like yeah the plot is fascinating but i mean like frankly as well i think like can we have like family members on the show that just get along like i, I mean can we have family members <laughs> in real life who just you know well, yeah, I, I get along I, with I, my but family. i mean like I mean, but, I, but, I, I but I think in every case it's in a lot of cases you know family members do have conflict and you know that's just the kind of show this wants to be yeah, but does it need to be? That's my question. Well, you know, like, I, I don't know if this was the right choice. I mean, it doesn't work, right? No. I don't think it works. I don't think that the brother stuff works in the episode. I mean, I'm kind of talking myself out of liking this as much as I thought I did. Well, again, I but I also think that the episode only spends so much time on the brother stuff. And yeah, maybe it's a unnecessary version. Maybe even, frankly, it's a holdover from an earlier version of the episode in which that conflict was more of a presence in the episode and then it just turned out in the rewriting that you know well the, this stuff with the planet is actually much more interesting and we're going to put more on this but you know it's almost vestigial the conflict i don't know because yeah. yeah, but you know if, if the if the balance had been shifted if it had been all about this conflict between the two of them you right because um, frankly a lot of the fact a lot of the conflict does seem just to re uh uh, uh a response to the events that are happening, in other words. Right. You know, Worf is pissed at him because he went against the captain because it's the situation he has to deal with. And the brother is pissed at – and Nikolai is pissed at Worf because, you know, he let a planet die because he's not, sta- you know, making his own decision. You know, and it's really more – Well, I don't think Nikolai let the planet die, though. I mean – Worf he- did. Wait. You don't think Worf let the planet die? From Nikolai's point of view, the Federation let the planet die. The Federation could have stepped in, but it didn't. I don't think so. Where are you getting that reading from? The fact that he's, you know, a very... I, does, I mean, he, he... I think that he... Well, I, th- I mean, I he, mean he, he, he gets very... He's very openly upset with Picard. He begs him to... He's, he's a, yeah, I know I know what you mean, but I think I think uh, uh, you mean the species, not the planet, right? Because they can't really do anything about the planet. Uh, yeah, I guess same difference. Fair. Um, he does outline this plan where they could have a deflector or something. You know, they could do something to say... to take care of these at, people. Yeah, but at more the same time, do. I think that the episode is sort of mis-selling that because... You know, they do make a point of saying that Nikolai waited to contact the Federation for for whatever reason. I don't know why. Well, they, they but, but no, they say that it, it was something that happened very quickly, didn't they say? Well, they did say that, but they also said that Nikolai waited to contact them. So I think that the implication, I mean, I don't know if this is poor writing. I don't know if this is, is supposed to be sort of Nikolai as a fuck up, but, you know... Nikolai was doing something on the planet that he should not have been doing, obviously, right? He was contacting the natives and he was fucking them and, you know, got one of the women pregnant. And of course, he loves her and they're going to have a wonderful life. But at the same time, that's not what you should be doing if you were a first contact observer, right? 
and or or a, or a prime directive observer, I should say, because they're not going to make first contact with this species. Was he a first contact guy, or was he an anthropologist? Because well, I, I think, I think about he, the pro. I thought he was like in the pro. You know, the he protovo- was an anthropologist. <laughs> I think he, the idea was that he was observing them. Yeah, uh, but they weren't going to make first contact with this yeah, species no. probably for hundreds of years because they look like they're on a you know Bronze Age level yeah, of technology yeah, yeah, yeah. or something. Um, so I think that the implication, of course, there is that there, there's there's uh, Nikolai is 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 kind of a fuck up in general, and yeah, I mean this is a good opportunity for us to segue into talking about the plot of the episode because I do think it has some interesting resonances and I think it's an interesting take on the Prime Directive. But you know what happens with Nikolai is that, from my interpretation, he's on the planet. This this atmospheric uh, uh, disintegration starts to occur, and he. Sends them to these caves and puts up these deflector shields to sort of save them, um, a small group of them at least, Um, partly because, of course, he is in love with one of the women and and is going to have a child with her. Um, Not a great decision, right? Like, just not a good decision flat out. Like, this is very against the prime directive in one interpretation. Well, yeah, I was saying. But but at the same time, you know, he is very much uh, uh, waiting to contact Starfleet for reasons that we never really get explain I, again i think we're we understand that part differently because my my understanding was that he didn't really they were saying like oh why did he wait so long and then data basically says like oh these things come on suddenly like he might not have had advanced warning so it's you know data basically says it's not that he waited you know it's just this thing comes on so quickly that he couldn't have contacted them earlier i mean it could be that i have an unchatterable interpretation of what's going on because i don't really like nikolai okay that's fair but i think you know like yeah data could be correct maybe he's not correct we don't know right um but what do you what do you make of his decision though to 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 save these people see like it's the kind of thing where this you know this is one of those episodes where it makes it clear that the prime directive is a is there for some very specific reasons and some very good reasons, but at the same time, um, you have to, you know, this, the decisions that you may need to make from it are horrible ones. I mean, yeah. no one in on the Enterprise is okay with the fact that they had to, you know, the decision was to let these people die. But, I mean, again, this is after Picard was called out in court for 13 prime directive violations. Like, he's going to be very careful about that, no matter what. And, you know, the prime directive to Picard says that as awful as it is, as unpleasant as it is, as shitty a call as this is, this is the right call to make. This is, you know, this is an episode which says that one's ethics are difficult. I mean, which is which is maybe a, an easy thing to say, but it's still a... I think one of the reasons you like Prime Directive episodes is because it has this very straightforward moral principle in showing how it's much more complex than it first appears to be. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, because the Prime Directive is never as simple as anybody yeah. makes it out to be, and these situations are never as simple as anybody makes them out to be. And and what I think is interesting about this episode in particular is that you know, we get into a different side of the Prime Directive than we necessarily have seen before. You know, they do make a point of saying at one point during the episode that um, if this was some sort of natural disaster, it could be averted. That could, they, they, that, and that would not break the Prime Directive, yeah. which I find interesting. You know, so I guess the implication being, well, if there was an asteroid about to, you know, crash into the planet or um, they they had advance warning and yeah. could fix the atmosphere. Oh, that's, yeah. They would have. If they can do and, it behind the scenes, kind yeah, of. Yeah, and I think that's kind of a weird, inter- I think that's kind of a weird interpretation of the Prime Directive, but I don't think it's. I, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. Um, you know, the, it seems to be that they're sort of putting some more shading on the prime directive by saying that if it's some sort of natural disaster that's going to wipe out a population, if they can fix it and not reveal themselves, yeah. they will, because that's not the normal or natural course of their evolution in, in a sense. But if it's something that the population is doing themselves they're not going to step in. Well, what was the reason for the storm? Because I thought it was a natural disaster, basically. Well, it was, yeah. But I think. But they weren't by, again. By the time that they knew it was happening, there was no way for them to fix it. Yeah. And the only way that they could save anybody would basically to be reveal themselves. And yeah. that's where the prime directive comes in, where they say, well, we can't 
do yeah, anything yeah, yeah, yeah. to save these people, so we just have to sit back and watch them die. Yeah. And I don't know. Again, I, I, maybe it's a good time to get – maybe this is a good segue into the Crusher and Data conversation because what I really liked about this version of you know this episode is that – you know, they're dealing with the fact, you know, once Nikolai captures these people, you know, beams these people up, like, that's what, you know, they have to deal with it. You know, they have to figure it out, you know. But I think it's interesting that that violation of the Prime Directive isn't the end of things. Like, because, you know, they're saying, like, well, you know, that's near Cardassian space. You know, if the Card- you know, the Cardassians are not going to respect first contact rules, maybe, right. you know, or, you know, but if we put it into this at some, you know, they kind of figure that at some point these people will invent warp and, you know, will go out into space and will, and that's going to have implications for the area that they're in. You know, right. they, they're going right. to settle other planets, you know, they, one of the reasons that they have the prime directive is because they don't, you know, they can't see the future. And there are so many variables that one decision implies 20 other decisions in a way. Well, and I guess kind of the, 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 the unstated question of the episode is, you know, once Nikolai uh, secretly beams them up and, and, you know, sort of puts them in this situation where Picard has to agree to the plan because what are they going to do? Kill them all? Right. Or, or just say, Hey, you're, you guys are on a spaceship. Like, you know, but I guess the question is why don't they just do that? Because, you know, if you look at the prime directive as a, as a, as something that is supposed to be sort of like a, um, I guess almost like a, like a nature preserve for civilizations in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Like saying like, we don't know what the implications of our, uh, 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 impacting these people would be. So we're just going to stay out of it. Right. And, and so, and it's very difficult, you know, it's very, the show has time and again said, this is a very difficult thing to do. Uh, once they're put into the situation where they basically are, are, are they're, they're in effect constructing, a new civilization or, or putting this, putting these people on the path of a new civilization. Is that? Yeah. Cause one of the implications is that this entire meeting, this journey that they go on then becomes part of their history and affects their history. You know, the knowing of them, you know, they will think of themselves in a way as a nomad people in a way. And that's, uh, that's certainly going to affect their mythology. Well, yeah. And I think that if you look at it in terms of, you know, here is a, th- this is the only group of these this species that is in existence now, yeah. and so you know they're they're basically set back probably thousands of years because they're going to have to basically repopulate this entire planet. Yeah, I mean the the, you know, the ten people that we see, let's stand them in for five hundred, but you know, still that's still that's going to take them a really long time. I mean, like, isn't there they they figured out what the minimum num, minimum breeding population is for you know for different species? So it it's got it's it's not that small do you know what i mean right like, right yeah like there's more people than we see obviously yeah and so my my kind of question though is you know at this point is the prime directive more about protecting an alien species from being contaminated by uh, a warp capable species or is it more about protecting the natural evolution of a species because if it's the former then i think they made the right decision if it's the latter i think they may have just you may should have just bitten the bullet and just told them what happened because now in effect, what's happening is that the crew of the enterprise and Nikolai is, is in effect creating a new civilization. I mean, I think about the episode, you know, the episode where they think Picard is a God, you know, again, that's the, that's the proto Vulcan episode. It's interesting. The resonances between the two, but, um, Again, there's that scene where the scribe is like saying, "Oh, this is when you know we met you, and you know all that." And again, that's that's a literal because it's very possible yeah. that like the names Nikolai and Worf are going to become, yeah, you know, Gilgamesh or 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 whatever, you know, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. going to become this. People like, are going to name their kids Worf, you know. Yeah. Like, and so this is this is not a good thing necessarily. But again, but what I like is that the episode is so thorny because it no, you know. At this point, I mean, this episode is about damage control more than it is solving any problems. You know, they, yeah, everything yeah. they're trying to do is what's well, the least bad option. Yeah, exactly. It's like nobody, you know, this decision that Nikolai made, whether or not it was right or not, and I think they, you know, the characters even at the very end of the episode 
Picard will still think that what he did is wrong. Nikolai will still think that what he did is right. Crusher will still think that what he, what he did was right. You right. Know? Troy will agree that, you know, this is more, you know, they, they are all going to have their interpretations. They may not have done anything differently after this, but, you know, once he's made that decision, they have to figure it out. And especially, frankly, the fact that the scribe who is probably, one, you know, the most educated member of this tribe, who yeah. is the most, you know, scientific and culturally minded, you know, who is able the fact that he can't handle this and he kills himself you know rather than deal with the truth you know suggests to me that telling them would be even more disastrous do you know what i mean like yeah, this yeah. is the kind of thing which would drive people crazy like this would ruin well and for, well yeah, and, yeah. Fr- and frankly i mean like there is a degree to which the episode is sort of shortcutting some things because i don't think that someone from this sort of environment like i really don't think they would even be able to to understand what was going on you know <laughs> you're basically taking someone in a bronze level age of technology yeah. who who may still think that the stars are gods like moving across the sky and now you're saying hey you're in a spaceship like uh, they would not be I, able to understand that. i mean granted at this point they probably you know Troy especially knows how to figure out how to metaphor it into a way that. But is there even a way to bridge that gap, though? I mean, if you're talking about a like a civilization or or a, or a town or whatever that has no concept of science, that has no concept of of, of the natural order of things, like how, how does that? There, there's no way to really like make them understand that, though. I don't think. I don't know. I mean, I mean, at least with the with the proto Vulcans in, in in who watches the Watchers, like there was, you know. Uh, uh, she understood that you know this this technology is so much further than me but she can extrapolate from where they are and 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 maybe some of this is just again it's seventh season it's a little sloppier i mean there you know there are some there are some logical permutations here that are not fully thought out i think i mean but i know somebody you know this is different than some you know you could explain to mark twain you know that this technology was new and he would he he would be confused about some things, but he would figure it out. You right. know anything that he didn't quite understand? Okay, whatever. You right. know, but right. yeah, you're. I mean that that is a thing, certainly. But I think, but I think your larger point is right, though that that telling these people what happened and just saying, "Well, good luck to you. Like, yeah. go, go live in the Federation now." That would be almost impossible as well. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, I you know that that the again this episode is about finding the least worst option yeah 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 and so i think that you're right i think that that his suicide is i guess in a way the suicide works as a cautionary tale of why the prime directive is so important in a way it's sort of underscoring or undercutting that point yeah you know uh, he's not ready for that information you know there are people who again in, in the episode first contact you know that that's very clear that they're you know, the civilization is uneven. There are some people who can totally handle this and totally get this, you know, and are cool with this and think this is even exciting. But there are also people who are terrified of this yeah. and people who will never understand and people who think that this is wrong and people who this is going to snap their sanity, you right, know? Right, Um I think one of the reasons behind the prime directive this episode is suggest is so that the entire civilization needs to get to that point again they've talked about this before about how you know we need to wait till yeah so you know we had the the couple weeks ago where that one you know minority of people on the planet did not want to join the federation and picard is saying like that's weird like you know everybody kind of needs to be in sync so you know this is showing why everyone really needs to be in sync frankly yeah yeah i think so and i think at the end of the day i think it's interesting that they're okay with nikolai staying as well you know like I, i kind of don't buy that they would let that happen but i don't know that there's any other choice that would be satisfying for the episode to make yeah i mean i think at that point it's not like i mean put it this way whatever nikolai has done he has he did come up with a fairly ingenious plan to keep this secret like no matter what you know nikolai was never you know while nikolai has a disagreement on what the prime directive means he's certainly in agreement with the fact that well we can't reveal ourselves to them you know yeah i'm gonna stay you know if he wants to leave the federation and he promises just this is going to be secret you know i'm just gonna live as one of them and that will be my life you know they again he they make it clear that no one on the Enterprise is a prisoner, really. If he wants to do that, how are they going to stop him, you know? 
He's very adamant about that. I mean, I think they could stop him. Well, you know, they could could stop him, but they're not going to. And frankly, you know, one doesn't know what the Enterprise is going to say in their report. They could even say that he was lost while, you know, trying to, you know, in the electrical storm or something. Uh, maybe, but I don't you think know, so. You know, I don't know. Picard seems very uh, careful now, so I don't think he's going to be lying in the <laughs> Um Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, one one last thing um, I want to mention before we move on to the next episode is uh, the actress who plays Nikolai's uh, soon-to-be wife um, also has a recurring role in Deep Space Nine. Oh. So it was kind of fun to see her. It's interesting to see how often uh, Star Trek reuses actors. <laughs> I don't know why they do, but well, I mean, it's kind you of figure they might enjoy being on it, and you know, well, her it wouldn't be the case, but you know, certainly the people. Well, who, she doesn't play the same. Well, no, no, but I mean, what, but, what I mean, it's like uh, with her, this isn't the case, but the actors who have to wear heavy makeup all the time, like somebody who's willing to sit for oh, the two-hour well, yeah, makeup session, like that's definitely a thing. They find <laughs> actors who who tolerate that well. And yeah, exactly. Over over you know, so yeah, for obvious it saves reasons. them time. Really, yeah, it saves them time, saves them effort. That's frankly a talent for. <laughs> Um, yeah, I will give Homeward six plasma storms. I'll give it seven because it's very stormy. Okay. Uh, well, let's move on to Sub Rosa. This is. I liked the first. I liked minute. I liked certain moments in this episode. Why? I mean, to a degree. I, I mean, I. There were a couple scenes, like, I liked the scene when she comes in from the storm and there's all the flowers there. Like, that was a cool scene. It was spooky. It's if you want to have a Scottish mystery, fine. But then everything got so shitty. It started out shitty. I, well, you know. There's nothing redeeming about this episode whatsoever. This is literally one of the worst hours of television in existence. I mean, I... I I think everything before Ronan appears was okay. This may be the worst episode of The Next Generation. Okay. I, 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 I mean, we've seen Liaisons. I think Liaisons was worse. Liaisons was boring. This was a, a, a waste of my time. <laughs> like, number one, okay, we've talked about this before, but Star Trek is not a series which believes that the supernatural exists. And yet this is constructed as a Gothic mystery about a ghost. And it just basically straight up is a ghost story for 40 minutes until she says, you're, you're, you're a ghosty life. You're made of ghost molecules. That must be, which is what she's, yeah, basically what she's saying. And, and so that's my problem with it. Number one is that it is setting up, the, the entire premise is a waste of our time because there is no way that this is a ghost. There is no way that there is anything supernatural going on whatsoever. And to to make us – and then to play it straight up like that and to play it as a, you know a straight-up ghost story for 40 minutes is a waste of our time because we know it's not going to be a ghost story. So why not just tell us you know in, in, in minute 15 what exactly is going on and they have to sort of figure it out? Yeah. You know, Like why? Why? Why do that? I don't know. I didn't write the episode. I'm glad you didn't because I would punch you right now. <laughs> so Brosa by Re- – well, you know, there is a degree to which I like that this is Crusher's background. Like it, it, this is not what I had expected her background to be, but it is interesting in that way. I feel like this is an episode that has a lot of lost opportunities because there are some themes in it which could have been interesting that they don't seem to care about. Um this episode for me, this is a Crusher going back home, and this could be a very moment for her to have – you know, we've seen Picard, we've seen Riker have that, oh, if I'd made different decisions, you know, episode. They've had that, and I feel like this could have been Crusher's if I had done this different episode. Sure. She's in, she's back in her home. This is where, you know, she learned how to be a doctor. She could have – you know. There was a moment in Crusher's life when she had to decide, you know, I'm either going to be a village healer where I grew up or I'm going to go to Starfleet and, you know, have this exciting life outside there. And she's had her life, you know. This is a point where I feel like she could have had her temptation to, do I go back home and having had my adventures, you know, reconnect with my roots. I feel like that's where this episode wanted to go, 
but it's all about rape ghosts instead. I, 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 I mean, no, I don't think so. I mean, they very explicitly set out to make a gothic mystery. Yeah, like, well, the, the, I, and and you know, I, I get your, I get your uh, impulse to construct a, a, you know, a better al- alternate universe version of this episode to avoid talking about the episode that we watched, but. You know, I don't want to do that because we need to talk. We need to criticize the episode as it is. Well, we have very different opinions on that because I do think it's worth talking about possible alternatives kind of to figure out where this episode goes wrong. In other words, I think this kind of phantom better episode, you know, shows why this is such a bad episode because this bad episode just – the themes are so shallow. The treatment of them is very cursory. You know, we don't have any – here we have a moment where Crusher has the opportunity to connect with her family roots and figure out who she is and where she comes from and whether she wants to return to that or whether she wants to, you know, reget her grounding in certain things and use that going forward. You know, all of those are much more interesting than where the episode does go. And it's so much of a disservice to Crusher, especially being where she's been in the past several episodes. I mean, yeah, sure, but at the same time, it's like, you could say that about a lot of bad episodes. I mean, you could say, well, Skin of Evil would be better if it was a better episode. Yeah, it would be, but I don't know that we can really talk about it intelligently like that. I mean, there's really nothing to say. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I would like to see that episode, but we didn't see that episode. We saw Sub Rosa. Well, I mean, uh, there's, but if, you know, if we're going to talk about this episode, then great. Crusher has a, an affair with a rape ghost and it's terrible. I mean, that's really all we can say about that. Well, that, I don't think so because I think that, you know, there's, there's just so, I mean, I think there's some value in really talking about exactly why this episode is so bad because, you know, it's one of those things where well, my, my, that's what I'm you, saying. It, it, you, <laughs> you look at it and you say, Okay, they obviously wanted to do something here. They wanted to create some sort of gothic mystery. They yeah. wanted to do some off, you know, off-brand Star Trek. Yeah. Right? Okay, fine. I think that's good. Um, they that's certainly something that they've sort of you know kind of intimated around the edges of before with like fistful of datas and you know stuff like that. Right? They they want to do off-brand episodes from time to time, and I think that's great. It's an episode that visually looks very different, and striking from yeah. the rest of it. The costume is I like the concept of this is a colony that's based off of you know. Highland Scotland in the 1800s, you know, which implies that there's also colonies based on, you know, the implications that there's a colony that's Earth in the 1920s. And, you know, there's a colony that's, you know, Vulcan during the Renaissance, you know, that that, that they have all these places that look like other places. Well, I think that that, you know. The episode for me starts off on a sour note because the cold open is just ridiculous. I mean, the cold open goes nowhere. You know, it's she's she's standing around talking about her dead grandmother and then it just ends. And you're kind of like, is that it? Like, what what is this even setting up? Like you that's a problem. Like the cold open should really like give you like it should intrigue you in some well, way. Well, who's or it should, like, who's set the up, man who put the flower on the coffin? It should set up the episode in some way. And it it doesn't. It just kind of ends. I think that actually happens after the cold open. Oh, really? So I think that that would have been a better oh, end for the cold open. I thought open. that was the end of the cold open. Because that's what I figured. Thinks I think so. But it's, it's again, it's, it's also possible that it just seems like a natural point. That right. I, yeah, I exactly. So I think that, that you know, it's sort of badly constructed. Um, and then, of course, I think that the whole thing about Scotland and whatever, and it's all fine, but, you know, there are so many questions that, that this raises. Like, why doesn't Beverly have a bad Scottish accent? Uh, they really brought every single stone that built all these buildings from Scotland. That would be really heavy and expensive. How are you possibly going to justify that in any way, shape, or form? Why is there an alien who's pretending to be Scottish? What exactly is going on here? Why is this set so shitty? Like, it's just, there's all these things. And it's like, I don't, do they have electricity? Like, the houses seem like, I mean, they want to make it seem like it's 1800. I, I don't get this. It, it, it boggles my mind. It's, it's a hippie commune, basically. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's Really it's, Scottish hippie coming? No, I, I mean so. this this is essentially a bunch of people who saw a, you know, read in a book like, oh, that seems so cool. We're gonna we're gonna build a little piece of that. They, you know? they construct the entire they they like construct the backstory for this entire colony to fit the gothic setting. Like yes. that's basically oh, what yeah. they're doing, and I don't think that that works. I just I don't I flat out don't think it works. Um you know, and maybe it's it's the kind of thing where if the if it had been to a better use, it would be all. 
there's a degree where the backstory of this colony, you can accept it as a suspension of disbelief. Like, yes, you know, maybe it doesn't make complete sense, but that's what you need for the episode to happen. And the episode itself is fine, so it doesn't really matter. Like, if it had been a cool ghost story and it had had, uh, you know, a point to it, maybe that background wouldn't be so bothersome. But the fact that it's not used for anything worthwhile kind of... Then it, what's the it, point? Right. Of it? What's the point? It deflates it entirely, I think, you know, and and then, of course, once that's all out of the way, uh, we start getting a ghost and you're kind of like, what is even going on here? Like, you know, I, I get it. I get it. It's a gothic romance. OK, I know that they're supposed to have the, the caretaker who's, you know, yeah, crazy and they're going to have the guy and they're going to. I mean, I get it. I know exactly what they're doing, but but. But I don't want to see this. And we frankly, like, I don't. We've seen ghost-ish episodes before that have done it better, you know. And but my problem with it is that we've seen ghost-ish episodes before that did not. Di- they did not want us to think that this was actually a ghost. Well, that's it. Like, and it, that's we, my problem with this is that fundamentally, this is an episode that is predicated on a concept that is meaningless for Star Trek and that we know is not going to be a ghost. I mean, I think it's. What bothers me so much about this is how much Crusher is taken over by this. Like, Well, yeah, that's the other problem uh, with the episode, the huge problem with the episode. Because I can see a version of this episode – again, here I'm, I'm talking about versions of this episode, but a version where Crusher knows that this isn't a ghost, knows that something is happening, knows that there's some reason for it and is trying to figure well, out – Well, OK, but let's not even go down but, that but, road you know, because here's the problem with that is that this is – Crusher would not think this is a ghost. Well, that's it. Like she – again, she knows that something's up. It looks like a ghost. It looks like stories of ghosts, but she knows that there's something deeper to that. So she's trying to figure out what it was. She knows this isn't really a guy who died and his spirit's there, but we've seen aliens, which, you know, are immortal. We've seen energy beings. We've seen, you know, it turns out, and it's such a half-assed explanation that it is this, that kind of a thing, you know, and... But it seems she doesn't, you know, she's not aware of anything until that moment, you know. Well, that's that's my problem with it is that this episode, you know, has really it really un, it really just cuts the legs out from under the character of Dr. Crusher yeah. in, a, in a large degree. And especially, I think especially again, especially because the past season or two, she's been especially she's been great. awesome. And I think Troy's been great as well. And, you know, this is an episode which which makes her out to be an idiot, frankly. Yeah. And and, you know. Not only that, but it's a character which we've seen be 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 very suspicious. We've seen yeah. be extremely uh, 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 scientifically minded, and for her to just kind of buy into this, I mean, now you could you could kind of you know the episode is even lazy enough. I mean, you know, come up with some sort of explanation. It, I mean, that's not like it doesn't give, something. It's give not something. like she's being. You know, if if it had being like, well, the ghost is giving her hallucinations or, you know, it's dulling her mind, you know, or she's being possessed or it's taken. Like if it had been something like that, you right. know, that would be one thing. And again, we've seen mind control on this show before. Like, all right. But the implication is that she's just so taken over because he gives that good head like that. And that's it. Well, that and that's the thing. Like, like the, he gives her amazing orgasms, so she's not even fucking questioning. And fine, it. fine. Maybe that's you know, maybe he really does. I don't know. But that's the other thing about the episode is that aside from all of the sort of like ridiculousness of it, it's 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 not even camp because it's not. It doesn't take it far enough. You know, like there's no part of this episode which is entertaining enough for it to be camp. Like <laughs> you have her basically, you know, Picard walks in on her masturbating in effect <laughs> with some sort of like green orgasm light. And you're kind of like, is this for real? Like, am I actually watching yeah, this? Am, yeah, I, not, yeah, yeah. am yeah. I really not? This is Star Trek. I'm not having a stroke. Like, like it's a, it's, I literally had not probably seen this episode since 1994. And I was really interested to sit down and watch it and see exactly uh, if it was as bad as I remembered. And it's worse. I, it's worse. I mean, they, they, they could have either, go, you know, it, it, it's they don't go campy with it and no. they don't go serious enough with no. it they don't seem to realize how fucked up this uh, this concept is again a version of the episode uh, if the episode had realized how fucked up and creepy and kind of kind of gross this is it would 
and really played on that, it would have been a very uncomfortable episode. Yeah, but in an effective way. I mean, well, they and you know the thing is, like, it's interesting because you know the the writing staff when they talk about this episode, they do say that they tried to get some stuff on the air that they had never done before. With, you know, the green orgasm light. Yeah, and, you know, all of that stuff. But at the same time, I don't think they take it far enough. I mean, for Christ's sake, her grandmother at the end of the episode, like fucking, yeah, like a zombie for like I, a few seconds. I mean, and that. Like, yeah like you know but you can't this is the kind of episode if it had been 10 years later on hbo and they've been able to do what they wanted it would have worked but they it feels like a little too tame for the material right right i'm thinking almost about return of the archons for some reason um the festival scene where they alighted a lot of that which made it seem you know more horrible more horrible yeah and that was very effective and very scary that scene um and but here where they're just it's it's stupid again it's 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 stupid it doesn't make any sense and you know frankly they don't really think, think about what the implications of having an incubus in the family really means right and right. having an incubus in the family is creepy as hell and then i also think too that there's a degree to which you know when they set this episode up there's there's a very famous line that i think jerry taylor uses when she talks about this episode which is that well the men didn't like it but the women really liked it and uh that's not true like that is just flat out a lie i don't know any women fans of star trek that like this episode i think that maybe jerry taylor is really into gothic i mean could they you know if they even if this had yeah but it's like but it's like that's i think that that's exactly where this episode goes wrong is they were like we need to give something for we need to give something for the women fans but you know something they already already like star trek you don't need to condescend to them like this episode this episode is condescending to women you could do a fun bodice ripper episode that you know why why do that like that's my problem with it is they had this idea that they needed to do something for the women fans and it's like no they're fans because they like star trek but again, they're not do, fans because they but, want to see gothic romance but you know trek. something again if you are gonna do that do it and make it legitimately sexy or do it and make it funny and camp but don't do I this mean, i mean you look, know let's, <laughs> let's put our cards on the table we are two gay men and this is exactly the type of thing that gay men love if it's done really well yeah, oh my god we should love this yes we should love and we don't it's terrible uh, 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 it's terrible <laughs> Yeah, again, I guess maybe maybe it's I really want to see an episode where Crusher is menaced by the rape ghost while wearing like this exotic nightgown in the rain in the middle of the night and there's lightning. It's like I want to see a weather I want to see a big dramatic weathering heights thing in this ain't it. I think so. And I yeah. think some of that is budget. You know, some of that is time constrained. But that's only so – that only goes so far because well, right. it's, and I it's think, the – you know, the writing has so much to do well, with Well, and I also think there's a degree to which like if you can't do something right, then you just shouldn't yeah. do it, you know? And, you know, again, I just – you know, I keep going back to the idea that this is just really unfair to the character of Dr. Oh, Crusher God. because it does – it does – paint her as someone who's an idiot it does paint her as someone who has no uh, uh agency of her own you know i mean nobody questions her re- decisions really i mean picard does but it's also done in a very creepy paternalistic sort of way if yeah. you know what i mean i mean that scene where he goes to the house and he comes into the house and catches her masturbating essentially and you know all of that stuff just it just comes across as as very very very, very paternalistic and very, very sexist. And I don't think that that was their intention. Yeah. But like, that's how it comes across. Because, I mean, like, I can, e- again, can even see Troy and Picard, you know, separately think this is really weird. And then they get together and they talk and they both realize, like, oh, actually, this is a bigger, pr-. you know, that happens fine. But, you know, yes, I definitely want the two of them to be grabbing Crusher by the scruff of the neck and we got to get her out of here. because. Right. Because she's our friend and she's in trouble. I mean, to to a, you know, but in the way that they do it, yeah, it's just and it's kind of like you know, I, I think there are open questions about whether or not someone should have realized what was going on earlier. You know, they have this whole thing where they're setting up the the storms as being some sort of link to Ronan because he yeah. he's living inside of the plasma ducts or whatever. Yeah, I, and but, this fucking candle and which is it's it it. 
the ep- by that point when the episode when the episode starts explaining everything, it it obviously doesn't give a shit. No, that, it that's doesn't. part of it. Too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that's part of it too. Is like you know, in in a sense, it's kind of a Brian and Braga episode where the setup is a lot more interesting than the actual execution of it. You know, because you get to the point where you're like they're explaining all this stuff, and it's like why even bother? But you know, you know like at times, like Aquiel. That episode had this random alien that did it, but it seemed like they actually thought about what the properties of the alien were and constructed a story around that. Yeah. Here it's, oh, we're going to have a gothic ghost story. All right. Well, we'll figure out some kind of scientific explanation for it by the end. All right. Let's write this. And, you know, we got five pages left. All right. You know, what's what's the reason? Uh... Or even, (laughs) no, yeah. but, But I mean, you know, the other thing it makes me think of, too, is like. You know, Star Trek is not something that's usually this unfair to aliens. You know, like, I don't, you know, Ronan is an intelligent creature and and the show essentially murders him. I mean, you know, Crusher murders him. And it's kind of like, well, why? Like, you know, there's this really does feel like something that they were trying to they were trying to shoehorn a genre into Star Trek where it just does not. This fit. is like the man trap where they, you yeah. know, instead yeah. of saying, instead of coming up with the, you know, something, let's figure out, a, you know, again, the crystalline entity was about to talk to everybody and the crystalline entity did not know what it was doing, but was when it started to realize that, oh, I'm actually, you know, you know, it was about to listen to reason, you know. Here you have a being who thinks that he is legitimately giving happiness to this woman, and as Crusher says towards the end, there was a degree to which they did. I mean, this is this to me seemed like an episode about you know a family history of alcoholism, almost in <laughs> yeah, a way, kind of, you yeah. know. The, but you know, I I appreciate that the episode wanted to end with that ambivalence of you know, well, it was a you know. Ronan thinks he had a symbiotic relationship. Uh, the grandmother probably thought she had a symbiotic relationship. And let's let let's let's be honest about this: she lived to an old age. She was well respected in her community. She raised a a, a girl to adulthood who went on to have her you know, own very me- successful career. Like. What's the bad here? And well, yeah, well, I don't know, but I still think you know, like maybe Ronan was a little too enthusiastic about Doctor Crusher yeah. because she knew he knew that she was going to be leaving. I mean, who knows? Maybe you he know, but stepped up his timetable. Maybe like the whole Ronan grandmother thing was very nice and very sort of you know, and it's just kind of like he rubbed her feet while she knitted. You know, right? That like was maybe it. there was actually some sort of niceness to this. I don't know. Uh, but the episode, again, is more interested in telling us this gothic ghost story than it is to being true to the characters or being true to the spirit of Star I, Trek. I, and what we get is a goddamn mess. It feels like almost like this is a filming of a dirty fanfic. Kind of. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, this gets zero. This gets no stars. Candles, just none at all. Yeah. Not good. No, no, no. I again, I liked I liked initial scenes. Again, the scene when she sees the flowers on the grave and she's running through the storm and then she goes into the house and then there's all the flowers and everything's spe- like that was if that had been the entire episode, all right, I'm going with this. That's right. cool. I want to see Dr. Crusher in a hood with lightning. Right. But they it's were too that. busy showing me Dr. Crusher with green orgasm lights. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, if you would like to share your thoughts about either of these episodes, please do so in the post at trekaboutshow.com. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash trekaboutshow. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekaboutshow. And as always, leave us a positive iTunes review, which is the best way for uh, new fans to find us. Next week, we are continuing our journey into the seventh season with Lower Decks and Thine Own Self, which I think is a Hamlet reference. So I hope it's not anybody doing Shakespeare. Uh, and Star Trek does do that a lot. It's been a while since we have had a Shakespeare reference. We'll see you then. <laughs>